0: Welcome back to Bruce Springsteen sings the alphabet. My name is Rob Carmack, and I'm joined here as always, as always, by JB Clark. As always. As always.
1: How we doing, JB? Good. It's nice to talk to you, other than text, uh, for the like what second time in a year and a half. It's been a little. It's been a little while. It's not been a year and a half, has it? It's only been like
0: I I don't know. Is it a year isn't it's it been, less than a year? It has been less than a year but not much less than a year. it's, oh my God. It, it's been it feels, a little while.
1: Feels like it's been four. It feels like it's been decades.
0: It ha- it does. Yeah, we were we were running on empty for a little while and we took a little yep. bit of a break. And uh, we, we, when Bruce Springsteen announced that he was going to go back out on tour, we we started texting and said like, "Hey, if, if Bruce is getting the band back together, should we?" Question Should mark. we get the band
1: back together? <laughs> and
0: I, I think I think the conclusion was a resounding yes. I think I think we should. I, you know, I, at least JB and I seem to uh, to agree on that. Yeah, yeah,
1: I'm, I'm super in. So hopefully everyone else is. We'll see.
0: Yeah, I don't know how many listeners out there still have us in their feed. If you do, if this just popped up in your feed because you've been. Like holding out hope that we return. Thank you so much. Merry
1: Christmas. It's July.
0: Yeah. We're going to do, yeah, that we'll go ahead and do tell you guys what we're doing right now. We we are about to get into our 2021 all media year end (laughs) overload because we always, it was tradition that we would always do a year end overload in December, but we didn't do anything in December. So now it's July. And we decided, like, hey, you know, why not, as JB called it, Christmas in July? So, yeah. uh, so we'll we're going to we're going to do that. So here here's the plan for, for the foreseeable future. We'll just, let's just roll right into this, JB. Why beat around the bush? Why mess? That's around? right. So here's the plan. If, you're, if you've you been wondering and some of you have emailed us asking, you know, what, what the plan is going forward for the podcast. Is there a future going forward for the podcast? Here's what we're going to do today. We are putting in your feed the 2021 six months later, all media year end overload. And then we will be out of your feed again for a little while, for about a month or two. Maybe not, not two, but a little, probably, I'm going to say six to eight weeks. Would, would you say that's yeah. fair, JB? Yeah, that sounds
1: right. That I, sounds right.
0: I'm in the middle. I, I'm right at the beginning of a move. Or, and I
1: just moved.
0: Yeah, so we we are not really in a position where we can commit to an every week kind of thing. So we're going to give you guys this episode as a way of saying, we missed you. We we, you know, we missed each other. We're looking to, to reconnect in all kinds of ways. And um, and so we're going to do this episode. Then when we come back, we're going to do four more episodes to round out the, the Jason Isbell series because we never did finish that out. That's right. And And we're completion.
1: We're famously, we're completionists. Yes,
0: we are. (laughs) So we, we could not, we could not rest until we've talked about the Nashville sound and reunions. Um, And then we're going to go back into the alphabetical Springsteen, So, which means we're going to do lap number two in the alphabetical Springsteen catalog, which means we're going to start talking about Western Stars. We're going to start talking about Letter to You. That's right. We're going
1: to write a little letter to you guys. That's
0: right. We're going to vacuum up some stuff that we didn't catch the first time around um either because it was released later or because it was uh not known to us so yeah, uh do a little
1: hoover and clean up a little bit
0: yeah that's exactly we're gonna not not unlike how i just had to do with my current house because we're about to put it on the market we're gonna clean oh, yeah. up every inch of this place so uh that's that's the current plan is that or is, did i did i summarize that okay jb
1: that's that i mean that feels right that feels right
0: okay and uh, my my hope is that we will be in the midst of podcasting when Bruce embarks on his 2023 tour. That that is the goal. Is that we will we will also we will be talking about the tour alongside everybody else as as we go through song by song the uh, the the rest of the catalog. So yeah, and uh, like
1: be chill about uh, breathing on people so that we can hit some of them shows.
0: That's right. That's right. And if I, I was actually thinking about people who travel for Bruce Springsteen shows this week because there's been so many stories of flights canceled, flights delayed, people losing their luggage. And I kept thinking, like, how awful would it be if somebody if somebody waited six years for this tour and then bought a ticket to, like, fly to Jersey and then, like, their flight gets canceled three hours before the show starts or something like that? That would be terrible. So it would be so sad, you know, I'm putting putting good vibes out there in the world because I'm going to be living in Oklahoma city and I'm not going to lie. The odds of Bruce Springsteen coming to my town or my hometown are not great. So, um, my, I will probably be traveling for this upcoming tour. Yeah. You
1: can come back to DF dub y'all. I, on the day that I texted Rob to tell him I was moving down the street, he texted me to tell me he was moving to Oklahoma city. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, geez, man,
0: (laughs) we're playing musical cities here. We're just missing each other yeah um well so so that's that's the plan going forward and i i I for one am excited about it i think it's going to be a good exciting adventure we're gonna we're gonna try i i had to remember how to use my podcasting software and my microphone today so that was that was a nice little adventure i had to go on earlier so um you know yeah we'll see how this goes we'll see how this goes We'll, we'll see if this even sees the light of day quite frankly because if, uh, if 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 it records poorly, you, we we have to get back together and do like a ten minute like, hey guys, sorry about that episode that we didn't give you, but we'll try. Yeah. It. We will try yeah. and do our best. Um, For okay. sure. Well, with that in mind, JB, do you want Is there anything else we need to talk about, or are you ready to get into the all media overload? Let's get into it. All right, let's do it. So as always, we, we always start by talking about movies. So let's let's get into it. We, JB and I each submitted a list of five movies. We're going to go back and forth. And the first movie on our list is a little film that some of you may have heard of called Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, by the way, well, I should say we're only film? talking about movies, TV shows, uh, music, and books that came out in the year 2021. So if you're like, why haven't they talked about Doctor Strange? Well, it's because this is the 2021 year-end All Media Overload. That's right. why. This is as if we were recording in December. So, yeah. We're talking about first of as all, as one does. Six as one back. does. Yeah. We, we we needed to wait the traffic out. Everybody in, everybody does their year-end list in December. Nobody does it in July. So, we're, you know, we're we, we decided to to beat not I guess not beat the crowd, but we waited, waited out the crowd. Yeah, it's a little gift. A little Christmas in July. Exactly. Anyway, all that to say, going back to Spider-Man No Way Home. JB, how did you feel about Spider-Man No Way Home?
1: Oh, man, when the um when the the twist happens in the very beginning right how much can we talk about everybody knows about the
0: I mean games, can right? we assume that anybody listening to this has probably seen or will never see Spider-Man No Way Home like you know what i mean like i don't know yeah, anybody yeah, who's yeah. holding out at hit, this hit point hit
1: the little fast forward 30 seconds button a couple times yeah man whenever uh whenever it was like <laughs>
0: Beat up. He, you know, I was just like oh, Well that was in the trailer. If somebody's mad mad that you spoiled that, then you I know. guess so. I don't like to watch
1: trailers before I go see
0: movies. Oh, okay. Uh, I see. But like when it really happened,
1: when I realized what was going on, I like grabbed the armchairs of my seat.
0: You know? Yeah, I, like I got psyched. Pumped.
1: Yeah, and just as they came back, I was just
0: stoked. Is stoked her a word? I was just stoked her and stoked her. <laughs> I, I gotta <laughs> I got to tell you, there were a hundred ways they could have made that movie bad. Um, just the the idea itself. It, there, there's just so many different ways it could have gone wrong. And it just went so right. It was it was such a good movie. It was so much fun. And part of it was that everybody was game. Yes. You know? Yes. Uh, everybody was yeah. having a good time. Yeah.
1: Everybody was having a really nice time. Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire were like... Just earnest? I don't know. I've really been into the idea of like things that are earnest. We don't do earnest well anymore. Yeah. And they were just like, It's okay to be earnest. Like it's good. It was good. Toby Maguire especially. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. It felt like he had to drew on some sea biscuit moments, you know, with those like faraway sweet glances. Oh yeah. Where he, where he like really holds the T and the S on his teeth, you know, as Toby Maguire does. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well and I had I, I took my kids to see it and I had to explain to them that there had been other Spider Man movies. And the, these two gentlemen were the stars of those respective movies. Yeah. Like, they had never seen either of those. So they were like, Wild. who are these? Like, <laughs> like, what is this? So, the, I mean, they've seen Into the Spider-Verse, so they understand the concept of, like, the multiversal Spider-Man kind of thing. Yeah. But, but the, like, that the, like, why are people cheering when these two people come out of the, the little portals? Oh, it's because before we were born, people were really attached to these characters. Also, it's,
1: like, such an obvious solution, to a problem that maybe didn't necessarily exist. Yeah, but it's just like Marvel has multiple universes. Like Marvel famously has too many
0: universes. Yes,
1: <clears throat> and so it's like, why not just put all these people in different universes? Just mash them up together. Yeah, it happens in almost every single comic book.
0: Yeah, and and, yeah. and they've been playing around with it a little while. If you if you seen like the the Loki TV show or the newer Doctor oh, yeah. Strange movie, like the, this this is definitely something they're they're playing with. Yeah. Which is which is great. Yeah, it's 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 fun. It's t- it's tons of fun. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and use it all. I I gotta say the 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 moment that I gasped the loudest in the middle of Spider Man No Way Home was when Matt Murdock shows up as Peter Parker's lawyer. Mm. Yes. That oh, got me dude, so. Dude,
1: that happened. I was like, for sure, they need to bring this guy into this universe. Yes, they do.
0: We need we need Daredevil. We need more Daredevil in the MCU.
1: Well, and that was such a good Daredevil. They haven't like Dare. Daredevil is, like, one of the greatest comic book IPs. Like, the Frank Miller Yellow Suit Daredevil is
0: better than Batman Dark Knight Fight Me. Oh, it's so good. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to argue against that. And I'm, <laughs> I'm the biggest Batman fan. But, yes, Daredevil, Frank Miller Daredevil is unreal.
1: 1.25% better than Batman Dark 1.15% better. Um, and it is so, uh, I don't know. Why, why don't we have, you know, what, we got the Ben Affleck bat uh, Daredevil? Which, like, sure, fine. But. Come on!
0: <laughs> yeah, well, this Charlie Cox Daredevil is good. I, I just I wish they would they would ingratiate him into the, the MCU proper, and and oh, that yeah. he showed he's up in this movie was, was absolutely perfect. I was so glad to see him.
1: Yeah, he nails that character, and he does his own thing with it a little bit, you know. Yes. Sort of like the opposite of Tony Stark. <laughs> like he nails it, but he just nails it because he Robert Downey is Tony Stark. We found out absolutely. Yeah, he's like, one and yeah. the same. And then uh, this other guy doing Matt Murdock, what did you say his name is?
0: Uh, Charlie Cox.
1: Yeah, he just embodies the physicality of it really well uh, in the costume while embodying like the dude,
0: just the schlubby lawyer better, I think. Yeah, than he's a lot, great. Than,
1: yeah, than even in some of the comic books.
0: Yeah, he. I mean, it, Marvel has like always been great at casting and like casting Charlie Cox as, as Matt Murdock was always, I, I, I've always been a fan of that version of Daredevil. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I was glad to see him show up in Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, well, the, the next movie on our list is Judas and the Black Messiah. I, JB, I realize you, you're the one who put it on your list. I'm going to go ahead and just jump out of the gate and say, I loved this movie.
1: Oh, yeah. It made me, I guess it made me think about um, the, lo- uh, the logistical. I, I think about uh, every time April hears about people doing anything like really complicated or terrifying or like illicit. Her first questions are always like logistical questions, like not, you know, not the exciting questions that everyone else would ask. She's always concerned about, like, how we all got to this point. Yeah. Um. But like from a left turn, right turn, cash credit, you know, situation. Like, how did we, you know, <laughs> uh, it's not like, what's the story here? It's like, uh. it's like, how, how did you make this happen? And I think about that aspect of juice and black Messiah, they really nailed some of the, just like what it, I I think I wasn't there, but like what it looked like to build these communities.
0: Yeah. Uh, And what
1: it took to sort of run them.
0: Well, and quite frankly, probably very few, I'll I'll go ahead and just say very few white people, at least know who Fred Hampton was. And so that, that they took the time to tell his story and tell it as sort of a true crime story involving the guy who sets him up, Bill O'Neill, um, like that, that was such a, it was such a great way to sort of introduce this world and this character and, um, and, and what ultimately the tragic end that this person had, you know, like, um, just all, all the, all the, like you said, all the inner workings that like led up to this kind of infamous moment in, uh, in history. Yeah. And all the performances were incredible. Oh, absolutely! They were they they were um, award worthy, and a lot um, of these yeah, a lot of the actors have been in other stuff, but not like featured as much. Well, you got Dan- um, Daniel Kaluuya who who was probably mo- who's most famous for having starred in Get Out, and he was in Black yeah. Panther, and then Lakeith Stanfield, who's going to be in our next movie that we talk about too, is probably like I think probably where most of us saw him first was probably from uh, watching Atlanta.
1: Yeah, you know? I love him in Atlanta so much. Oh, he he's was great. so funny this last season. He was. He just like, he gets further and further out of touch with each season and it's so much fun to just sort of like watch him disconnect. I just watch him and kind of think like, maybe we should all disconnect a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, yeah, he, he is, I think, I think he's one of the best working actors we have right now. And, um, uh-huh. he, he's, he's so, so good. And I'm, I'm, I'll talk about him some more when we get to our next movie, but he was great as the Bill O'Neill character in Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm-hmm. And just being able to show like he's conflicted in some points, he's he, he wore that well. Yeah, he really that well. Like of, yeah. he, he's kind of a weasel, but he's also a guy you're kind of rooting for at some points. Like there's mm-hmm. um like just, just a really well played like three dimensional character that he put together on the screen. A character that very easily could have either been a tragic hero or just like a weasel. And like he, he threads the needle just perfectly, I think. Yeah. Nails it. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and then you've got the next movie on our list, which is "The Harder They Fall," which also happens to star Lakeith Stanfield. Um, I didn't see this one. Oh, did you not? Tell me a, about it. Okay, no. this is a Netflix movie. It's it's a western, and it, this is it, it, it's um, the entire cast is black, and so it's it's like a black cowboy western.
1: Oh yes, this is on my Netflix queue, and I just have not gotten
0: to. Dude, it. you got to get to it. You got to prioritize this movie. It's so much fun. It's so good. It plays it, or it starts. Idris Elba is like the big the big bad, the heavy. And you've got um, Jonathan Majors plays, the, like, the, the good guy, the white hat, I guess, for lack of a better term. Like, the, to use classic Western terms. Um, so, he, he's, so, basically, the, the setup, of, it's, a, it, it's a revenge story. So, basically, the, 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 the plot is you've got this guy whose father was murdered. By this notorious outlaw, played by Idris Elba, and now Jonathan Majors plays the guy. He's all grown up and he's he's looking for revenge. That's the story. So that's the like that. That's all established in the first five minutes of the movie, and then off you go. And, and it is so much fun. There's a train robbery sequence that is unreal, uh, and like the the group of bad the cast of bad guys is it's Idris Elba, Lakeith Stanfield, Re, um, Regina King. Um, there's a couple of other people that you would recognize, and it is. Just it it is a it is a murderer's row of great actors, Um, just having tons of Delroy Lindo is in it, and um, I'm trying to think of who else is in it. Um, I don't think I realized that
1: Lakeith and Idris were like playing next to each other, and so it's it is now number one on the list.
0: Yeah, move it up that list. You gotta you gotta see this movie. Um, You're you're gonna you're gonna watch this movie, and the whole time you're watching it, be like, oh, I didn't know they were in this movie. Like it's just it's one of those movies that. you just, you, you, the longer you watch it, the more you just continue to recognize, like, I can't believe they got this one person to play this one part just for like five minutes. And, uh, oh, Z Beats is in it. Um, I, I mean, I could, I could just sit here and name the cast and it would, it would take me half an hour, but it, it's, it's a really good movie. It's a Western. It's on Netflix. You can watch it right now. And, uh, it, it is so much fun. I love a good Western and it is, it's so, so well done. and so much fun. So that is the harder they fall. And now the next movie on our list is yours. Uh, this is Bad Trip. I don't know this movie. Tell me about One it. One
1: second. I hear a kid, and I don't know if that kid found a parent. I'll be right back. Oh, sure. Go ahead. Okay, all good. She was with a parent. Oh, good. She was just not happy with uh, that parent. All right. Yeah, Bad Trip. Have you not heard about this No, I,
0: I don't know anything about this movie.
1: Okay, I've seen this a few times, and I think that the way to watch this, uh, I think I nailed it, it is to watch it, listen to them do interviews about it, Watch it with uh, a, a close friend or spouse and then watch it with an in-law uh, because, <laughs> because just watching this with other people is as fun as watching it. Um, so what like is new, it? new people. So Eric Andre <laughs> uh, is insane. I don't know if anybody knows Eric Andre. He's like a comedian who's willing to just throw him whole, his whole self at whatever punchline he's trying to figure out. Like his whole body, he'll do anything. Super funny, very physical. He's one of those people that like looks like a goofball, and then you see him with his shirt off, and you're like, "Oh, this dude works out," <laughs> but he totally doesn't look like he would. Uh, and so he is. Um, you, Rob, if you googled him, you'd probably know who I'm talking. about. Uh, I
0: know about. exactly who you're talking. Yeah, I know. Oh, okay, exactly who you're,
1: yeah. So he does a. Um, he he's he does this movie called Bad Trip. It's a it's a prank. It's a candy camera prank narrative movie so at almost every single scene i mean like 90 percent of the scenes are shot like in public with strangers <laughs> and it's all strung together and so as you're watching this you're like wow this is amazing and then you know whenever you learn more about it you realize they did these things 10 15 times with different people And then use the takes. And there's stuff like, (laughs) like it just starts off and, you know, uh, Eric's like, "Ah!" his alarm goes off and he's like in a bathtub full of beer cans, empty beer cans. He's like, "Ah!" (laughs) but like, there's a, there's a a plumber in that bathroom (laughs) that they had like hired to come look at it. And he's like, ah! and he jumps out. And the plumber's like, freaks out. And he's like, oh no, I'm late. And he runs and he's like running down the street and he runs into this house where this lady's like cleaning it. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And he like jumps through this glass out the back porch. And he's just like, the whole thing is, is like he's doing this giant, like during this giant chasing, there's like, it's one minute of the movie and there's like six different prank shots with people in them. Like uh, at one point he's you know he's doing all this stuff and he runs past the lady struggling with her groceries and then he runs back into frame and like helps her and then he runs off. Anyway, all these people are just like people that they, you know, were shooting and then they you know got their permission after like whatever happened uh, in public. And but it's a narrative and it's all strung together. And they um, so it's Eric Andre and Laurel Howry Oh okay. And um, I forgot who they had to play Laurel Howry's sister, but the story goes that like. Eric Andre and Laurel Hallery had this one prank where they did drugs together, like dropped acid together, and then woke up. And both of them were in a Chinese finger trap, but like not with their fingers. Oh my <laughs> and gosh. They, walk, they walked into a barber shop in Atlanta. And one of the guys like had a knife. He was like, I normally carry a gun. Y'all need to get out of here. Oh, my gosh. And uh, Laurel was like, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> and he called Tiffany Haddish, his friend, and was like, you'll never believe what Eric had me doing. Like, this guy's crazy. And he explains the whole thing to her and she's like, yo, I'm in. Does he have a part? <laughs> and at that moment, like, the the person who was supposed to play Laurel's sister had dropped out for whatever reason. They had something else or something. Anyway, it's brilliant. It is a brilliant, it has taken me forever to explain this movie. It is just, like, hilarious. It's about how good strangers are, honestly. It's, like, about the kindness of just people. Because the whole, every scene is, like, them needing someone to help them get through it. Um, it's really beautiful and it's super funny.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: He's like, super funny.
0: How can you watch this? Is it streaming somewhere?
1: It's on Netflix.
0: Oh, no way. Okay, cool. Yeah. Wow. You, <laughs> uh, I may have to check that out.
1: Dude, it is like basically Eric Andre is run, driving across the country chasing the girl. Uh, and yeah, all this happens on the way. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's filmed all in Atlanta, even though it's supposed to take place across the country. Eric said in an interview, he's like, Yeah, it's three black people shooting a prank show. Atlanta's the only city we could pull that off of. <laughs> um, and I, I Googled that because they were in a JR Crickets, and I was like, Are they in Atlanta? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good eye. Right?
1: Isn't that what it's called? The... Yeah, JR Crickets, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, so moving on. You've got one on here that I haven't seen, but I feel like I'm the only one in the world who has it. Number Dune. five, Dune.
0: Dune. You've not, you, you've not seen Dune?
1: No. Right. I haven't seen or read Dune. Really? Yeah. That
0: surprises me. I figured you eventually would have caught up with Dune.
1: Yeah. I mean, might still might.
0: It's good. I mean, that, that's why I have it on the list. I really enjoyed it. It's, it's beautiful to look at. The cinematography is really great. The story is um, really engaged. I've never read the book, so this is my. And I've not seen the David Lynch version of the. Of, you know, of the film, and so... Uh, that surprises me. <laughs> yeah, well, I, well it's, it's notoriously bad, is why I've never watched it. So, But I, you
1: love bad David Lynch.
0: I love David Lynch. I, I don't know that I love bad David Lynch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would argue that there's just one David Lynch, and then everything else is our own lenses that we view it through. I,
0: that, that may be right, and there, there's some David Lynch that I respond really well to, and some David Lynch that I do not respond well to, and um, I I can't imagine that I would have responded well to his version of dune that said i really liked this version of dune i thought it was cool. really uh really good really engaging if you're if you're a sci-fi fan it's uh, I, I it's a lot of fun it's really good i saw it in the theater this was one of the earliest movies i went to see in a theater and uh, i was glad i got to see it on a big screen um that's what spider-man was for me yeah spider-man and spider-man was great in a, in a theater experience as well um, so yeah. and so I, I i found dune to be that way as well um so Anyway, yeah, I think you can still stream it on HBO Max if you've got it. So Dune is very good and very worth watching. So we can we can keep moving. Um, so then you've got Don't Look Up. Now, I never watched Don't Look Up, but I know it was, it was nominated for Best Picture, and it was kind of controversial because a lot of people really liked it and a lot of people really did not.
1: Yeah, I think that all the criticisms of it are fine, uh, but, like, it's the most interesting sort of realistic look at sort of the way we treat global global warming and just science, COVID, um, and it was just—I uh, don't know—it was a relief that they took. You know, whenever you're just like, <laughs> you know, the house is on fire, and everybody's like, "No, it's not." Yeah. Uh, it's like they took that and they made it something else, even more insane, right? Yeah. And they. Uh, set it on fire. And so it's like, see? <laughs> at least we can all laugh about it. And, uh, you know, so Dune, uh, Timothee Chalamet, right? He yes. Was in that movie? Um, he was also in this movie at the end. Ah. And like a just a sweet... He just played like the sort of introspective youth group skateboarder who smokes cigarettes on the roof kind of guy. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and there's this Jennifer... um Lawrence has this, like, great, I don't know, I wasn't fully bought in on her, like, sort of character and performance in the beginning, but she has this great, like, really humanizing, throughout the movie, she's, like, holding this, onto this, like, uh, she, (laughs) the, the, uh, one of the characters is like, alright, that'll be ten bucks, and she's like, cool, and then later she finds out that the thing that he said was ten bucks, and made a whole big deal about, was free. (laughs) Okay. And the whole movie, she's just like... He was a five-star general. (laughs) Why did he need to do that? Uh, And that's like, you know, just stuff like that's a nice little relief. Like, it's just like these real moments that are um, relieving in this real straight face looked at and look at. uh, And the ending was like a nice little like, "Ah, well, if we all die, at least there's going to be that. (laughs) Well, that's that sounds nice yeah and uh Meryl Streep is like insanely uh good, and it's just got everybody you know it's like a real adam McKay joint yeah <laughs> it's you know it's definitely I watched it like right when it came out. It was the last time I was here uh in in uh, at my mother in law's house at christmas like right at maybe New Year's day I just couldn't go to sleep and I watched it
0: oh nice, yeah. Well, I know a lot of people were looking forward to it, and I kind of was too. And then it started getting bad reviews, and I was like, "Well, maybe I don't need to watch it right away." And then I just never did.
1: Yeah, I watched it before I listened to those, and then I was like, "Oh," and then I quit listening to them. Listening yeah.
0: to read it. because I was like, "Well, I've already watched it." <laughs> that's that's probably what I should have done too. Just just watched it and decided for it's myself. Fine.
1: You don't have to watch it. It's great. Uh, it's it's enjoyable in the way that like sometimes it feels good to know that the things that scare you the most, other people are also scared of, and trying to figure out.
0: Yeah well speaking of things that people are trying to figure out um <laughs> the next the next item on our list is the tragedy of macbeth did you watch this i didn't no this is uh it, it's it's a joel cohen movie and it's uh, or directed by joel cohen not the cohen brothers just joel and um i'm a cohen brothers completist and that i guess that includes whatever joel cohen makes without his brother ethan and yeah. so uh i i watched this I, i'm i'm a denzel washington fan and I'm a Francis McDormand fan. so there were any number of reasons that I, I should have wanted to watch this and I did. And um, it was beautiful to look at. It's if you're, if you're familiar at all with the Macbeth, the story of Macbeth, or if you're not, and you you think like, man, maybe that's just something I need to know about just for educational purposes. This is a good sort of jump into that, uh, into the story of, of Macbeth. It uses the, the Shakespearean language. So it's, it it is what it is. It, it, it's a Shakespearean play, and the way it's staged and the way it's shot is really interesting to look at. And really, the thing that everybody kind of walked away with on after watching this was that the the woman who plays the weird sisters, the the three witches, it's 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 the same woman who plays all three characters. Um, she is unbelievable, and she kind of steals the movie. And it is uh, it, it's it's a artistically, it's a really well done movie. I think I. I I think I enjoyed having watched it more than I enjoyed the actual act of watching it. Like yeah, you know, I'm with you. but at the same time. I'm I'm really glad that they made it. I'm glad that it exists. I'm glad there is a version of Macbeth out there that is, uh-huh. it's under two hours long. And it's, it's something that um, it's at some point I'll probably as when my kids are teenagers, I'll probably let them watch it and say like, you know, this is one of, one of those things. If you're interested in storytelling, if you're interested in Shakespeare, then this is one of those stories that you kind of need to know. And, um and so tragedy, the tragedy of Macbeth and Denzel Washington is of course, excellent. And, uh, worthy of our attention, as always, and so. Did uh, you see Fences? Yes, I love Fences.
1: Yeah, that makes me think I want to watch The Tragedy of Beth a lot. Like he, he does stage on camera well. He does like better than I've seen, maybe. You know what I mean?
0: Well, and he spent a lot. Like he was in Fences on Broadway, I think, for a long time before right, yeah. before they filmed it. And so I, I think he's, he, I think he's at home on the stage. And so I think, I think you're absolutely right. So he just when, translates
1: when, it really well.
0: And and he's he's so I mean I, I don't know exactly how to describe it, but he he's so magnetic, he's so charismatic, he so naturally holds your attention. Like he's one of the like he's a he's a genuine movie star. And you might so, say like, that
1: Denzel Washington is the greatest actor of all time ever,
0: period. <laughs> I have heard it said that 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 was <laughs> true. And I, I I find it difficult to disagree with because even in movies that aren't good if, if Washington is, one of my all-time favorite movies or I mean I would say even like the equalizer like like not a great movie but man Denzel was he's, he's always good in it you know what I mean like April watched he,
1: the equalizer like twice a couple of weeks ago why I was like what are you watching just like the equalizer I think it was the equalizer
0: it might have been a different movie but it was like I don't know well Anyway, I think the tragedy of Macbeth is better than the Equalizer. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so that that was uh, anyway, and that, it's on Apple TV Plus. So if, if you've got some time and you think like, yeah, I, I would watch a black and white uh, retelling of, of Macbeth yeah. <laughs> starring Denzel Washington, then uh, give it a whirl. So then uh, the next on your well, list, hey,
1: did you watch the Green Knight?
0: Yes, I did. Did it kind of feel like that? Like uh, I'm glad I
1: saw this. I'm glad I got to think about this sort of an updated. Well-told version of an
0: old, old, old Arthurian. That's you know? that's probably not a bad comparison. Yeah, like yeah. it has a, like artistically, it's so well done, it's so well shot, it looks incredible, and it it is it is a retelling of a classic tale, and yeah, uh, and it's it's done with a specific artistic kind of eye. So yeah, I, I'd say cool. that's probably not a not not a terrible comparison. Yeah. So so the next thing on your list is you say it, you have Raya. Is this Raya in the Last Dra- Dragon? This is
1: Raya in the Last Dragon.
0: Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, man, I watched
1: a lot of Ryan, the last dragon. <laughs> it's good, I man. A lot I like of it. all the Pixar movies that have come out in the last two years, uh, as a part of just sort of like being stuck at home with my kids for a lot of time.
0: Uh, Ryan is awesome. It's a really good movie. It is. I think it was one of those. I think it's truly underrated. I, th- I think it's so much better because it came out during the pandemic. It was, it's yeah. one of those movies that kind of came and went and not nearly enough people saw it. I thought it was incredible. I thought it absolutely yeah. excellent. Good, great animation. Great story. Um, I want to listen to it in theater. It's one of the best-scored movies I've ever seen. Yeah, it, it it really is. At the end,
1: when there's, like, the vocalist is uh, is just sort of, like, vocalizing, not really singing, and there's that, like, scream in the high note, and then the character on screen does it, too. Yeah. I mean, I have—there have been moments where my kids were watching in the backseat, like, in the van, because, you know, the van's got pretty good— Sound And, like, that'll come up, like, over the back of my seat. And I'll just start crying. <laughs> and Shep will be like, Mommy, did you know that Daddy cries when he hears music? Just like sometimes. <laughs> just, like, not when he's sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, like, an overwhelming, um, you know, the rain at the end with all the. It is one of the best, like, scored, mixed, uh, you know, like, the people that, you know do the sort of surround and all that it's um i want to hear it in theater like it's cool
0: yeah it, it's it, it was a good movie and um it, it, i think you can watch it if you have disney plus Plus. and it's if, if you if you missed it because you don't watch kids movies or because it was the pandemic and you didn't take your kids and y'all just never saw it uh give, give it your time it's it's worth it and um yeah my it's
1: like the uh it's sort of like that my little pony the next generation did we talk about that last year i don't think so did that come out in twenty? Uh, did that come out in twenty twenty one? If that came out in twenty twenty one, that's actually the number one movie on my list. My Little Pony: The uh, Next Generation. Yeah. Oh dang! I think that came out in twenty twenty one. It's an incredible movie. Anyway, it's kind of like uh, <clears throat> Raya and the My Little Pony: Next Generation movie are similar in that they're like um, wildly political and not. Uh, it's not subtext. <laughs> oh yeah. Raya is a little bit less political and a little bit more like. Are you serious? Like, are we really fighting over? Like with other humans, over who's more human or whatever. Like, yeah. Uh, but it's very just like, okay, we are just. It's like that. Uh, whenever Bruce Springsteen's like, "Are you listening?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, or like the when the Abbott brothers wrote like "Bang Bang Shoot 'Em Up" movies, <laughs> they were like, "We've tried to put it into poems and it didn't work." So yeah, we, we just lay it out as bluntly as possible. Yeah, there's a moment in the My Little Pony movie where there's a pony uh, who is the sheriff giving a speech to actual livings with a, a unicorn version of a Fox News logo in the corner in front of a cliff. Uh, and it's like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> One of the ponies goes, hey, your badge is causing a little bit of a power dynamic problem. Are you serious? <laughs> Yeah, that's not a summary. That's a quote from the movie. It's incredible.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Anyway, uh, Ryan, My Little Pony, kids getting woke.
0: <laughs> Number eight. All right. Well, the next thing we have on our list is The Last Duel. Um, when I put this on the list, I realized like how few movies there were last year that I just genuinely loved because I I liked <laughs> The Last Duel, but on any in any normal year, I, this probably would not have made my list. You know what I mean? Like. Um, but at the same time, I needed to have five movies, and this this was an interesting enough movie to where I decided like, well, I'll go ahead, I'll go ahead and include it. This is a Rashomon style like told three times kind of story, starring Matt Damon, um, Ben Affleck, Jodie Comer, and Adam Driver, and it's it is brutal. It's it's a story of a sexual assault told three different times. It's a true story. Yeah. Um, and uh, did you see this? No, uh,
1: I want like I, I like Adam Driver a lot, but
0: I didn't think I could handle that. It's it's a whole good thing. Yeah, it's a good movie and it's it's worth seeing. But at the same time, it, it is it's rough. It, it's it's hard to sit through, especially once it gets into the like what the actual story is about. And it takes a little while for it to get to what it is, what what it's trying to say. But at the same time, it's and, and it, I think it's worth it for the third act because it, it puts you in the mind of. The, the female protagonist the Jodie Comer character and she is excellent she if you don't know who Jodie Comer is she started uh, in the show Killing Eve and um, she's been in some other stuff you've probably seen but um, she's she's a really talented actress and and she's she kind of carries the last third of this movie and she does a, a really good job and it's it's a really well told it's a Ridley Scott movie which means there's a you know pretty pretty rad sword fight at the end <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's it's mostly kind of an interesting um exploration of you know toxic patriarchy and um you know w- whether or not you choose to believe uh people like women or people who are um who, who naturally have less power or not naturally but like just by the nature of the societal norms have less power and less uh voice and um it's it, it is it is a 16th century medieval story told and it's and it's shockingly an indictment of where we are today yeah, you know. Yeah,
1: in the medieval times.
0: Yeah, so in the medieval times. So anyway, that's the last duel. Um, it, it it did spectacularly badly at uh, at the box office. I think it made like no money at all. Um, so I, 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 in fact, I think Ben Affleck has been quoted as saying like he doesn't think he's going to be in feature films anymore. Like just to, like he he's not going to be in movies that are supposed to go into the theaters anymore. He's just going to do streaming. So. Um, because that's that's where it's at, I guess now. So, yeah. Ben Affleck has declared because of the the poor performance of this movie, he's declared that movies are dead. So, <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> so that was the last yeah, duel. Right. So, last movie on our on our list is one is yours. It's Fourteen Peaks. What is? Have this? you heard about this? No, I don't know what this
1: is. All right, Fourteen Peaks. Nothing is impossible. It's about Mission Possible. So, uh, this guy uh, Nirmal um, Purja, I think is how you say his name. He's a a climber. Uh, He's a Nepali high-altitude climber. And he wanted to... He's been trying to bring attention to the mountains uh, themselves, like the uh, 14,000-foot-plus mountains, um, specifically the ones around Nepal. And, um, you know, he's done, like, big cleanup missions to get uh, trash off the mountains that... You know, a lot of Western climbers just leave there on these sort of, like, sacred sites. And he's just, like, a fun, young, hip dude who, like, you know, he... In the opener, he, like, has his shirt off and he's just throwing these giant sacks uh, as exercise. And he's got, like, a little bit of a pudgy belly. And he's just, like... You know, he's, like, sort of... um, He's, like, half Nepal, half L.A. sort of guy. And he's got this team of... um, Nepalese climbers, Sherpa climbers, and they set out to break the record of um how long it takes to climb all 14 um uh of the the 8000 um meter peaks. And so um yeah, so, I mean, they do it. <laughs> yeah. They do it in... Uh, so, Reinhold Messner did it for the first time between 1970 and 1986. It took him 16 years. He's a legend. I have a, a Reinhold Messner guitar player. I mean, guitar pedal. It's a it's a clean overdrive, and it was named after him because he climbed without oxygen. Uh, and then in 2013, a guy had completed his seven-year and 310-day, basically eight years. To, so, he beat... Messner's, he broke, you know, he cut Messner's record in half. Um, And he did not use oxygen. Uh, Purge and his guys use oxygen for like the last 500 meters just because they have been on mountains before where they were too beat to go rescue somebody after summiting. And so they did use oxygen on that last little bit and they just kept it with them. And they ended up rescuing people like on every single summit while they did the whole thing in like six months. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Six months and six days. Dude, they were running up and down these mountains and then getting to the bottom and hearing somebody on the radio be like, so and so stuck. And then top roping up to the top, like hanging from a hundred foot rope up into the mountains uh, from a helicopter to go rescue somebody. Like a day after climbing one of the 14 hardest mountains in the world. Dang. So they were going up Annapurna, which is like the hardest one, the most dangerous. Well, maybe not the hardest. I think K2 is probably the hardest. Uh and there's this dude, Don Bowie, who's like, he was like, yeah, I tried like 11 times or whatever. Uh, and uh, he's just like this big, you know, jocular Canadian. And he's like, uh, and I was coming down and they were just like, nah, man, come on. <laughs> and like, you know, half a day later from the bottom, they like dragged this dude just off sheer charisma up to the top of the mountain, you know, that he's been trying to climb his whole life. Um, And they made so many rescues, I I couldn't even count through the movie. Um, And they just brought joy. They would, like, show up at a mountain where the weather had been bad for, like, two weeks, and there'd be all these people at base camp, and they would just, like, show up at base camp with a bunch of booze and a radio or something. And they would just, like, get base camp bumping. And the next morning, everybody, like, in base camp, hungover or whatever, would just climb the mountain together. Uh, Anyway, it's a beautiful movie. It is super inspiring, and it... Does a really good job highlighting um, climbers from the region, from the mountains that Westerns have been, you know, sort of like turning into these, you know, pop culture icons for so long. It like highlights the people who have actually been helping everyone get up the mountain. You know, like they, these guys are people who have guided so many climbs for other people. And um, so they raised the money so that they could do this instead of being paid to do it. They could go climb these mountains.
0: Anyway, it's incredible. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for movies. And so now we're going to transition and talk about TV shows. So the first thing we have on our list is just reality TV with JB. JB's got a lot of thoughts on reality TV. So we're going to start with that. So uh, take it away, JB.
1: Yeah, I didn't want to, like, talk about the nuance of Survivor 41 or Australian Survivor 7 or Top Chef 19. But last year, all three of those shows came back. And uh, I don't know. Like, I'm not... (laughs) I always joke with a buddy of mine like you know the really unique thing about me is that and then just say something that's you know like very human (laughs) but I'm always like the last two years have been the hardest of my life (laughs) and everyone's just like yeah Uh, but when these shows came out I needed them I needed to see Jeff Probst come out and I needed to see that the CBS cast folks had really worked so hard to bring in like people that represent a whole swath uh, you know of americans and uh the same thing in australia and the same thing on top chef they brought in these big beautiful casts and they did everything they could to keep things the way that we love them because uh, they knew that like the last few years had been so unfamiliar so they made whatever adjustments they had to make to make it happen they made big sacrifices to make sure everything was safe and they kept pushing the envelope a little bit and it was just like I don't know, when that Top Chef season and the Survivor season came out that my wife and I watched together, it was, uh, it brought a little bit of like normal joy back in a, in a time when we really needed it.
0: Nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I, watch, I'm a Top go Chef watch fan. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Wasn't it such a good season? It was a good season. I mean, like, there's some news about one of the chefs that I, you know, kind of like came out that was a real big bummer after the season, but he didn't win, so it's fine.
0: Yeah, well, I think the guy who won there, there were there was some controversy about him too. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, dang. One Sorry. thing we talked
1: about though was like it was really nice to just like half of the season is just the whole kitchen speaking Spanish. Yeah, <laughs> and it was fun. It was nice.
0: Yeah, it was. It was, a, it was a good season. It was like you said. It was a much needed reprieve. It, my my daughter, my nine year old daughter, and I watched Top Chef together, and and oh, we, cool. we we really love it. All right, so tell me about Yellow Jackets. All right, so yeah, the next thing on our list is a show called Yellow Jackets. This is a Showtime show. Um, Are you aware of this show at all?
1: I am, and I
0: have thought about watching it. I just – it hasn't happened yet. It's great. That's because I don't have Showtime. Oh, okay. It it is great. It's worth worth subscribing to Showtime. Just binge the show and then, you know – do whatever you want to with your su- subscription um so th- this is I-, I think it's it's worth the subscription just to have yellow jacket so the, it's been compared to lost a lot but it's it's about a uh an all-girls soccer team that crash lands in the woods in um in in the late 90s and it's it, it kind of jumps and so half the show takes place in in the the crash time so in the woods with the with the soc- with the girls soccer team, and then yeah. the the other half takes place in present day with the survivors of the crash, or with whoever we know of that survived so far, and like you've got Christina Ricci, Melanie Lynskey, Juliette Lewis, and I cannot remember the the, the fourth. Um, hang on, I'm gonna look it up because I don't want to I don't want to do her wrong by saying her name wrong or by not knowing her name, um, but. Let's see. Uh, you've got um, Tawny Cypress plays Taisa. And so um, you've, you've got these these characters who have sort of been through a trauma together, and they're kind of reckoning with the aftermath of that. And it's, it's been compared to to Lost a lot because of the plane crash element, because there's like a mystery kind of surrounding some of it. Um, and there, there's, there's some questions as to whether or not there's like anything supernatural going on in the midst of everything. But it's, I mean... At, at the end of it all, it, it not at the end of the story, but just at, like ultimately, it's it's a story. It's about sort of again how how you process trauma. It's about um, sort of the the mystery surrounding um, these these girls and what they went through and all, all the all sort of the the personalities, the the clashes, and just all the. Um, I, I'm I'm doing a terrible job describing it because it's been so long since I've uh, <laughs> since I finished it, but it, it's it's a great show. It's worth watching. Yellow Jackets. And,
1: all right, uh, that sounds great. Yeah, I'll move it back towards the top.
0: Yeah. Have you seen Search Party? Yes, I have. I, I have, I, and I realized that the final, uh, ch- the final, I to say, chapter, the final season of Search Party, um, came out this year. But um, did but you watch it? I did. Okay. Wow. You know, do talk we, we want to talk about all the way to the finale? Back.
1: Well, I mean. So we're in 2021. Uh, I mean, the finale season was great. Uh, so if you're gonna watch it, watch it all the way. Uh, 2021, though, season four is is brilliant. This is this um, is when
0: she's. Spoiler alerts for Search Party. Um, this is this is when she's in the basement, right?
1: Yeah, in basically a um, like pillow stuffed animal version uh, to scale of her apartment.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was a crazy season. It was it yeah. was
1: it was what's the song that he's listening to on the roundabout, the I can't remember. Anyway, that song is stuck in my head all the time now and I just think about um Cola Scola's character. Um Chip. But, yeah. yeah, the whole cast is great. I think that everything John Early touches is gold. <laughs> he is just uh, – he plays Elliot Goss. <laughs> like,
0: He's so in uh, <laughs> The After Party this year, too. Have you, have you watched yes. that?
1: He's so – he plays that character so – he packs all of his comedy gold into, like, such a downplayed character in that show. Yeah,
0: um, he's great as Elliot, though. Like, and yeah, and the thing about Elliot was, like, it took me a little while to warm up to him because I took him in season one. It took me, it, I took him so seriously, but then when I realized, like, oh, he's a clown, like, like all of a sudden, like, it kind of unlocked my appreciation for that character.
1: Oh, um, his wardrobe in every scene is like worth watching the whole episode. You know what I mean? Like, his yes. wardrobe could be could be a thirty page script.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is very loud. It's very, it's yeah. very, uh, it's very verbal. It feels like
1: when his wardrobe, when he takes his wardrobe off at the end of the day, his wardrobe looks at him and says, and scene. <laughs> yes. But the whole thing, the whole cast is great.
0: Um, and uh, yeah, search party. Check it out. The guy who plays Drew, by the way, is on the new season of Stranger Things. Oh, cool. I'll have to check that out. I've, I've only seen season one of Stranger Things. Oh, Stranger. I mean, we, we may end up talking about Stranger Things in six months when we talk about our 2020, 2022 uh, all media overload. But um, I, I really love Stranger Things I, I only bring it up to mention that Drew is on it So yes, I like him a lot yeah he's great the, he's the, did a couple of the things. whole cast is very good no, yeah. you're right um, then the next thing we have on our list is a show called We Are Lady Parts have you seen this? no I want to um,
1: And every time I get on the NBC app the Peacock app though I, I go straight to wrestling
0: so. yeah it, this is on Peacock <laughs> I, I cannot believe I included a show that's on Peacock but I did Hey, Peacock's got some stuff. It's got some stuff. It, it has this. It has We Are Lady Parts. And, um, it has Rutherford Falls. It, I, I like Ruther, Rutherford Falls, too. Um, yeah. So We Are Lady Parts is a show. It, it takes place in London. It, it, uh, it, it is about an all-female, all-Muslim punk band. And it is just great. It, it's, just, it's just such a – like, if, if you like movie, shows or movies about – People who want to like start a band, then this is for you. If you like punk music, this is for you. If you like stories about people that you don't necessarily see every day, this is for you. It, it's um, it, it's really I, I I I could not believe how much I enjoyed this show. It's and it's but it's a comedy. and It is really funny. It, it's a it's a really just a great show. All right, so, I
1: will also move that. It's already pretty close to the top of the list, and I'm watching less and less wrestling. Every day, because Vince McMahon, man, we got to get that guy out of there. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. Yeah, some stuff that we all knew about Vince McMahon came out, and he's no longer running the show publicly.
0: So, oh, anyway, interesting. Well, I don't this is know
1: if... WWE show. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I don't know if We Are Lady Parts has been renewed for a second season. I'm looking it up right now, just to see. It looks like it has been renewed, but they have not announced when the next season is going to be. Oh. So, um, looking forward to it. I, I, I can't wait to see more of this story. Although, that said, season one, if, if all you had was season one, it's a, it's a very satisfying season. So... You, yeah, you, you can watch that and be done, and, and you'll you'll enjoy it just fine. So
1: you, you know I picked Westworld back up because I thought that was the last season, season three, and then I got to the last episode and I was like, it's becoming very apparent to me that this is going to be a cliffhanger. That is a show <laughs> that, is that I've never
0: I've never dipped my toe into trying to watch that show. You can leave it out; it's fine. That's what it's I've heard. Good. It's good. enough. I've I've heard. I mean, I realize that Westworld is not on our list, but I, I've heard that Westworld is convoluted just for the sake of being confusing.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. I think it ended I think the last season kind of actually brought some answers. Um,
0: so, have you seen WandaVision? I loved WandaVision. WandaVision so, was very good. By the way, and also if if you've not yet seen Doctor Strange in the multi, Multiverse of Madness, WandaVision's kind of crucial homework before you see that movie.
1: Yeah, I haven't watched that yet, but I have seen WandaVision, so we're good.
0: Wandavision, yeah. So talk talk about Wandavision. Let's pretend like we haven't seen Doctor Strange yet, and just talk okay, about
1: Wandavision. Okay, yeah. So the first, ep- so Wandavision it takes place in um, TV shows, in TV shows genres,
0: and so well sitcom the- genres, like it, S- it, yeah, sitcom it, genres. It, it moves through time, basically.
1: Yeah, uh, and so yeah. Whenever they got to like step by step, I was just like, okay. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so it starts off in like a really sort of like, uh, you know, like I love Lucy, meet the Beavers. Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke. Um, and I wasn't fully in. I was like, okay, I'm not sure what we're doing with the format. Um, yeah,
0: it takes about three episodes to really figure out what's going on.
1: Yeah, but one thing it has going for it is, and maybe, I don't know, this is another one of those little unique things about me, but I'm just like remarkably charmed by Elizabeth Olsen. Uh, and so it's easy to, you know what I mean? Like she's, oh, she's very like, good in the show. Yeah, she's super good. And part of the show is her sort of like looking at the camera and making you wonder if she sees you or not. <laughs> uh huh.
0: You know? And because so, she's like, magical. And that,
1: yeah, yeah. And that is one thing that she's really good at, <laughs> you know, is sort of like doing that. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I, I like it. I'm glad to see that they let. The superhero genre do something. I think this is part of the one of the things that sort of signaled, and I think Disney's done it with some Star Wars stuff too, probably much to a lot of people's chagrin. But I don't really care. <laughs> uh, where they they've recently just kind of been like, uh, you know what? Everything can exist in this universe. You know, yeah. Any any story can exist in this universe. It doesn't have to be a sto- an, a Spider-Man origin story. It can be any story in this universe. Yeah, and that they do that
0: really well. It was pretty bold how they decided to tell yeah. that story too.
1: Yeah, and then like Catherine Hahn I'm, I've been all in on since the beginning. I love Catherine
0: Hahn. She's yeah, she Canada. was very good. Did you have you heard that they're doing an Agatha Harkness spinoff show of like for, of her character?
1: I have, and I can't wait. Yeah, I think she's incredible. I think she's got so much range. I think that uh, she's been playing second fiddle for way too long.
0: Yeah, she's very good. She's really yeah. good in the show.
1: She was in like a weird HBO show a couple years ago. She was the lead. I forget what it's called. Miss something. It was, like, she was incredible
0: in it though. Oh, I don't know. I never saw it.
1: Yeah. It was, it was kind of like a steamy, suspenseful, eight part miniseries kind of thing. It was, she was
0: incredible. In it. I'm going to look it up so that people aren't shouting at their iPhones. Um, hold on. So Catherine Hahn. um, let's see looking for a Miss, show Ms. Fletcher Mrs Fletcher Mrs Fletcher Okay there you go I just found, you're you're right Mrs Fletcher on HBO So yeah never saw it um but I'm sure somebody out there is like just yelling Mrs Fletcher it's Mrs Fletcher So Mrs Fletcher Um so yeah WandaVision was good um and I I thought I, I thought all of the Disney Plus Marvel shows uh, last year were were worthwhile. Well, I say that Falcon and Winter Soldier didn't really do it for me, but um, the the other ones I thought were very good. Yeah, uh, I thought Falcon and the Winter Soldier was just fine. Yeah, that, that I I had the same reaction. Like, I'm I'm not mad that I watched it, but I yeah. like if 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 I had, I, it's probably the one I forget about the most.
1: For sure, I was I was very glad to see those people play those characters, and I, I'd have been very happy to see them have a better writers' room. But
0: yeah, well, and I'm, you know. I'm I mean, I realize there's a lot of like superhero fatigue and Mar- Marvel fatigue. I'm, I'm kind of in for all of it, though. So like pretty I mean, something something would have to be really bad for me to be like, I'm out. I can't watch this anymore. So um, because yeah. I, I, just, I I'm, I'm fully invested in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then I the constantly think
1: about that. There's this trailer for like a, a romance movie where a stormtrooper and a, um, I forgot the race of the uh other character, they fall in love, like, in a bar on Tatooine. And the Stormtrooper, like, runs away from the Empire. Uh, and anyway, the one of the reviews, it's a parody trailer, but one of the reviews is, like, the Hollywood Reporter. Why can't every story take place in the Star Wars universe? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, like, the fact that it's a Star Wars movie is, like, fully inconsequential to the story. You know, it's a guy in the army who's in love with someone of a different, you know, race. yeah. Uh, it just happens to be that it's the Imperial Army in Star Wars. That's
0: funny. Yeah,
1: and yeah. so I think Marvel should do that.
0: Well, and I, to to a certain extent, Marvel has tried. Like I, the the times that Marvel has been, I think, mo- most successful are when they they've done like they they've kind of veered outside the normal genre of just a superhero movie. Like like with WandaVision. Yeah. like they they decided to play around with the the sitcom format. Or like my my favorite Marvel movie is um, Captain America's Winter Soldier. And that, I mean, that's a, that's a spire thriller. It's, it's basically three days of the condor and it's, you know, it just happens to star a superhero. So, yeah. um, I
1: want to see like them doing the frontline comic books as high maintenance. (laughs) Like the show high maintenance. I was, you know, what's funny. I was wondering today,
0: I was sitting in my office wondering today, will JB (laughs) find a way to integrate high maintenance into this conversation?
1: I wasn't even thinking about it. I was just trying to think about, um, I love those frontline comics and I just think it's so fun to watch the stories of like inconsequential in the big, grander superhero scheme of things. People who's like calling their insurance because of, you know, because of, it's not an act of God, but like maybe because, you know, it is Aries, but it's Aries the superhero. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. uh, I think that I, I want to see those stories where like Spider Man is the guy from high maintenance or whatever. And it's like Spider Man gets thrown into the wall at a bank. And we've just been sitting in the bank this whole time watching some lady argue with the teller. Yeah. And then we follow her throughout her day after her encounter with Spider-Man being thrown into the bank wall that she's standing in front of. <laughs> Sorry for bringing up high maintenance. I'll quit.
0: Oh, no. Don't, don't, don't ever apologize. people. Only how, how else greatest... will people know that they're listening to this show? <laughs> it's only the
1: single greatest television
0: show ever made. That's what you keep saying. Yeah. I've, I've still never seen it. All right, so Succession. Yeah, Succession. Uh, do you watch Succession? I'm glad
1: that I... Realized it was a comedy early this season.
0: Okay. Like, it took you that long to figure out that it's a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just had to keep reminding
1: myself. You yeah. know what I mean? At the end of every season, you get stressed. And you think back on it. And you think back on the season before. And you're not thinking about the comedy beats. You're thinking about... All the stressful stuff yeah and so when you start a new season you're like oh you know, to jeremy talk and you're just like hang hey, on i gotta rewind and then you you know like three episodes in you're like i don't have to rewind he actually isn't
0: saying anything that's, that's right. the point uh it's just so stressful this see are you caught up did you watch this season of Succession? yes uh, yeah I did, I did that last episode was so good uh i'm trying to even think what happened in the last episode it's that like um, a lot of it takes place in a car I don't. know if I want to give away much of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. You know. You know what I'm saying, and yeah. it, it involves basically the three main siblings just uh, conspiring in a car together. Yeah. And that was th- this whole season was really good. I the Tom storyline about how he was he thought he was going to prison and so he started eating like Denny's all the time to like prepare his stomach yeah. for prison food. <laughs>
1: I just think that the best the whole best joke in the entire story is that his name is Tom Wamsgans. Yeah. And it's just like what a you know like what a sweater tied around the neck of a person. You I
0: know, know what it. I mean, like what a human tennis outfit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, ju- I just saw on Rotten Tomatoes they posted that they've started shooting season four. So I'm, oh, I'm nice. I am pumped. I cannot I, I love this show. It I, I got Caroline into it this year and she's she's into it too. She, and it yeah. was one of the, it's one of those shows like you the first couple of times you watch it you think like why am I watching all these people that I hate. And yeah. then the more you watch it, the more you realize like I am sucked into this. Like I I cannot stop. So um, yeah,
1: I did, you know you're me- it's like it's messing with you whenever you're like really rooting for two characters to get together who are like that would be the most absolutely like you would n- in any other situation
0: you'd be like this is inappropriate, and in succession you're like I think they're in
1: love. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, it's. Ugh. It's wild. It's it's such a it's such an entertaining, compelling show, and I uh, I'm I'm excited that they're making the fourth season right now. So anyway, that's Succession on HBO. So then you have, I think you should leave. Yeah, are you up on Tim Robinson? Yes, and the 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 sketch and th- these shows are so interesting because I think they're only like fifteen to twenty minutes long a piece. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the one where he. He's a guy in a car, and the he, there's almost there's almost a wreck, and the guy in the other car yells, "Don't you know how to drive?" And he he leans out the window and he goes, "No, I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, there's so many buttons, and I'm scared," you know? <laughs> <laughs> which is like what
1: he's. That's the character is like he. So he does the same thing as like as uh, don't look up. Um, I think, or I think that's what Sam Richardson sort of talks about in interviews. Sometimes is like. He's playing this guy who's like this super exaggerated version of just like this white guy who cannot seem to read a room. Yeah. And who is just like fully emotional while being very macho. But he's not necessarily doing it like... He's he's playing it from a, a perspective that's fully oblivious to that. Yeah. As a trope. And I don't know. It's interesting the way it sort of like... I think it's good. (laughs) I think it's good for uh, the world to see that kind of behavior and laugh at it and be like, "This is inappropriate." (laughs) Yeah, that this is funny because it's inappropriate. Uh, And like label that, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, And it's so. Did you watch Detroiters? No. Oh. Oh, Rob, I've just given you a gift. Oh, yeah? A recommendation. You think this is good. Imagine every episode is him and Tim and uh, Sam Richardson together. Is
0: Tim Robinson in de- Detroiters?
1: Yeah, it's Tim Robinson and Sam Richardson. They're oh. like best friends in real life. They grew up in Detroit. They made a show called Detroiters. And then Tim Robinson's show is just sort of like the sketchy bits from Detroiters. Oh,
0: okay. I'll have to check that so, out.
1: Yeah. De- so they they, they, were like, they run a really terrible ad, uh, ad like a marketing company in Detroit. Uh, and it's so funny <laughs> it's so funny and Sam Richardson I think is like the sweetest kindest funniest most handsomest guy in Hollywood you know like uh-huh. I, I, I just want to give him a hug and be his friend Um. so yeah anyway I think you should leave it's
0: uh... it's very funny it's... I laughed
1: so hard at the first joke in the last episode that I almost choked to death on, like, <laughs> on just like my own like, mouth. Yeah. Uh, the one where they're in HR. Yes. And he's like, I hired this guy to come in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the shirts. Oh, uh, the Dan you know, Flashes, like, the shirts? Dan Flashes. <laughs> the, <laughs> the lunch. You can't schedule a meeting at lunchtime. <laughs> can't do that. It's not fair. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh! Yeah, it, it's it's great. It's really funny. My, my wife hates this show. Like I've tried oh, multiple times. Yeah, to get too. Yeah, she hates it to watch so much. It she hates it so much. Yeah, the, my the brother.
1: Old... My brother can't stand it. But also, his tagline for any time like we find out something from somebody, my brother will always be like, "He admitted."
0: Oh my gosh, that's the one. That's the one thing my wife can get into from the show yeah. is the the focus group the the guy in the car focus group. Yeah,
1: I hold the. I should. I, every time April's like have, uh, being kind of double standard or something, I'll send her a video of the hot dog car crash.
0: Oh, well, that, that's classic. I, yeah. I know we're all trying to get to the bottom of who did this.
1: <laughs> Whoever it is will probably just let you go. Just fess up. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: always great. All right, Reservation Dogs. Reservation it's Dogs. Did up you watch there on this? the
1: list? No, it's uh, the list is long. The list is I, long. I want to. I uh, want to.
0: This is a show on FX. It's a 30-minute uh, show. It it has been compared to Atlanta a lot because it is sort of it, it follows four main characters, but then it also kind of veers off and, and tells kind of um I I'll, I'll say kind of tangential stories related yeah. to at least one of the characters in every like not like all four characters are not in every episode, but it, this is about uh, four Native American kids who live on a reservation in Oklahoma. Um, and they are just kind of living life and e- each episode kind of deals with life on the reservation in one way or another. And it's, um, it's very, it, it's, it's heartwarming. It's funny. It, uh, it, it, again, it's, it's not unlike we are lady parts. It, it tells stories from the perspective of, of characters that maybe you're not used to seeing. And, um, it's, it's really, really compelling and really good and they're they're working on another season and i can't wait to see actually i think the new season starts next month and so i'm really looking forward to seeing where they take these characters and what they do with them and it not unlike with atlanta i I, it it doesn't matter to me like the 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 story the overall like story arc of the show is not as important as it is to to spend time with these characters so um but it's yeah and this season of Atlanta too. Yeah. <laughs> this current one. <laughs> oh, this current yeah, this current season of Atlanta, they really tested everybody's like oh, willpower. so good. Uh, it, it was it was really good. But uh, yeah, with Reservation Dogs, the, the one common threat in in every episode I'm I realize I'm about to give us a an ex- explicit rating. But um somebody in every episode calls somebody else a shit ass.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's the one, that's a, the one common. one I love it when people are mad at cuz we <laughs>
0: So, uh, so anyway, that's Reservation Dogs and it, it is fully worth watching. I highly recommend it. Um, and then that's it for that, that show. Now we have, you, this is one I've not seen uh, for all mankind. I've heard it's good though.
1: Yeah. I feel like the Sydney, you, I mean, I don't think you wouldn't like it. It's, I figured you hadn't, uh, it reignited. Like I used to want to fly so bad when I was a kid. Uh, I wanted to be in the air force real bad. Not cause just cause I wanted to fly like fast planes and I went to like aviation camp and like space camp and all that stuff. Um, And I I just sort of forgot how much I love all that stuff. Uh, And so season one of For All Mankind and a little bit of season two do this incredible thing where they change a few facts in history and add a couple characters. But you're still like Sally Ride is still in the space shuttle. Sally Ride still makes an astronomical decision in the space shuttle that changes the course of history. It's just a different decision because you're in a different place, you know. Okay. And so you have a lot of the same astronauts, you know. And then you also have these new characters. Like a lot of the main characters aren't current, like aren't real astronauts, yeah. But it's so cool because they do such a good job getting the like science and the parts right. Like, um, there's this moment where they need to solve a problem so that they can beat Russia to a certain thing. And so what they do is they um, they re they uh, refigure the original space lab, which I don't know if you remember. It's just like basically like a box, it's like a, it's like a Lego piece, but it's uh-huh. a spaceship. And it's like one room on the inside. <laughs> it's like an Ikea kitchen. And uh, so they like refigure that into this like hab, like this habitable space to solve this other problem. And so in the mo- show, you, you never have the original Space Lab, right? Which is the precursor to the space station, which like was so cool to see them do that. They repurpose the actual thing to make another thing. And if you've been around a model of the original Space Lab or like in one of the you know ones that they have, on display, like you can see it in the other, you know, you can see parts of it in this larger set that they made, which is just so cool. And on the app, like on the Apple TV Plus app, you can like tour the all the different stuff, um, like the landers and the ships and all that. Oh, and nice! It's just it's just really cool to see like an alternate version of like what it would have what it would have taken to make us commit to space for a longer term and what it would have looked like, and whether or not that's beneficial, you know? Yeah. Uh, and the answer is, who knows? You know, just like it is now. It's the same answers we have now.
0: <laughs> I've, I've heard that the, story, the show continues to get better with every season, too.
1: I don't know, but that's just because I was so fascinated by it being anchored in reality. Uh-huh. And it still is. It still is a good bit. Um, I just realized, uh, <laughs> just now, that I watched a part of an episode earlier today that I haven't finished, in which one of the characters debates Bill Clinton on stage... And I didn't even think about it. Oh, wow. Interesting. (laughs) I didn't even think about it until now. So they do a pretty good job of, like, incorporating it. You know what I mean? Uh Like, it wasn't a thing where, like, they were like, she's going to debate Bill Clinton. Like, I watched her debate Bill Clinton on stage today. I just didn't realize that that's what I, you know, I didn't didn't realize how big of a sort of thing that is. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, for all mankind, if you like space, if you want to get into space, if you're if you've as a child sat in a uh, one of the Apollo modules and thought about how cool it would be to flick those switches
0: and this is on Apple TV Plus is that right It's on Apple TV Plus cool All right well I I have the, the next on our list I have The Beatles Get Back did you watch this No and I need to the, I mean this is a music fan's absolute dream this is this is all the the footage that they shot for the what was supposed to be a documentary about the making of The Beatles uh studio album that would ultimately be let it be and um leading up to like the culmination of this is the rooftop concert and you get to be a fly on the wall and and a lot of it i I realize like there there are people who will try and sit down and watch this and will not be into it because it is it's a lot of just like you're a fly on the wall while the beatles are just kind of like goofing around with their instruments but as a music lover you'll love this because you you get to see like there's a moment where paul mccartney is playing his his bass and he's just kinda of tooling around and you can sort of tell like he doesn't have a plan or he's he's not like rehearsing anything. He's just kinda of goofing off. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere he writes the song Get Back. And he uh. you, you watch him do it. You, you you get to witness the moment before the song existed to the moment that the song exists. And that sounds awesome too. it it is it's so good. And there's also I mean, not not to just like belabor just all the things that are in this, this documentary. There's also a scene where Paul and John think they're having a private conversation. They go into a separate room, and they don't know that. I mean, this sounds like something out of a movie, but they don't they don't realize that the filmmakers have hidden a microphone inside one of the potted plants on a table, and they're having an argument about whether or not to try and get George Harrison to keep from quitting the band. And they're having a real, like, candid conversation about the future of the Beatles, and they have no idea that they're being recorded. And this whole conversation is in this documentary. And, um, it, it is just, it, it, if you're a music fan, if you're a Beatles fan, um, it is infinitely watchable. It is so, so good. It's all on Disney plus it's very long, but man, I, I could, I could have, I could have handled three more hours of it if, if they'd wanted to give it to me. It was, it was just that good. Nice dude. Yeah, so, um, I did want – so that's the – and I, I, could, I could talk for a lot longer about that, but I won't. Instead, what I'd like to do is I'd like to correct a wrong that we committed while we were making our list. Neither of us included Ted Lasso on our list, and I'd like to address that. Oh, well, yeah. I just thought uh, because we
1: had talked about season one a bunch. Ted Lasso season two is incredible, and the, the monologue that um, – I just forgot his name. Nate. The defender. No, the Defender. Uh, Roy. Roy. The, mo- the very short monologue that Roy delivers to, – trying to remember everybody's name because I just haven't been thinking about Ted Lasso today. The, the owner,
0: oh Rebecca,
1: the yes the small monologue that Roy delivers to Rebecca at the end of the first episode. I was like weeping.
0: Oh, when she was on a date <laughs> with that guy and he was like, yes. yeah, yes, yeah, that was great. Right, and it, just this. I, I'm I'm such a huge just unabashed fan of this show, and yeah. I I liked it a lot the first time I saw the season one. And then I went to London in, uh, back in September of last year. And, um, my wife and I, we went to the the pub where they, where they film a lot of the show. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, um, and then on the, on the flight back, we watched all, we binged the entire season two on the flight back from London. And I, um, th- th- this, it, and, and I, I, rewatched the whole thing last year when I was just sort of struggling with like what to do about like my future as a pastor and, um, just kind of needing something lighthearted and something that was a little bit more upbeat and optimistic. And Ted Lasso ex- did exactly what I needed it to do. And it was there exactly when I needed it. And so yeah. uh, I, did, I didn't want to have this conversation and not at least acknowledge Ted Lasso.
1: Yeah, Ted Lasso is incredible. And I can't wait till season three. I, my only complaint with Ted Lasso is I wish they would make it a little bit longer and make it in, in, um, put more soccer in it. Like in, uh, like in um, uh, Friday Night Lights. That's what I wanted.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Um, I want that so bad. And the, the soccer scenes are always good in Ted Lasso yeah, too. So. except for the
1: first one in season two. That uh, one was the, the most. That was the most like clearly everything in that scene was shot in a different room. <laughs> yeah, it looked like a, uh, someone like trying to Photoshop in Microsoft Paint.
0: Well, they had to find a way. Spoil, small spoiler for the first episode of season two of Ted Lasso. They had to find a way to kill a dog on screen. You know what I mean? And so they were.
1: Football is death. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, which, by the way, for people who were like, this show's too like unrealistically like nice and syrupy, they killed a dog in the first episode yeah. of the second season. So like, don't accuse it of being too just like flowery. You know. Yeah, um, I was
1: me and April did the um, aces joke. Uh, aces, it's not even a word anymore. Yeah, hey, what do you call? What do you call a band? Uh, what, what do you call a kiss cover band with two stars with, with two guys with stars in their faces? Two freelys. <laughs> <laughs> I can't,
0: can't even say aces anymore. Oh man, that's funny. So, yeah, yeah anyway. great show, Ted Lasso. So, that, that does it for TV for us. Uh, let's uh, let's see, where are we on time? Wow, we've got. Uh, depending on if we want to stick with our 90-minute rule or not. Um, But uh, we're we're running short on time, so let's let's hit music. So uh, we'll start with Preacher's Kid, the album Preacher's Kid by Simler. This was yours. Have you heard it? Yeah, I have. I've listened to it several times. It's a really good album.
1: Oh, my God. It's heartbreaking. It's beautiful. Um, And, uh, yeah, so I saw her open for Reliant K in Nashville a couple months ago. That's an interesting pairing. It was incredible. Uh, and so the way it started was she started doing covers like on TikTok called Reliant gay. (laughs) (laughs) And in some of like, she wrote this little song about like, would my favorite bands accept me if they knew I was gay, you know, my youth group bands that I love. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, uh, John Foreman like put out a whole video. It was a little convoluted, but I think it was probably good. And, uh, and you know, Reliant gay brought her a tour. And it was so good. It was so good to be in that room with all like the weird tattooed gay youth group kids who made it out alive, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Like this is a room full of kids who didn't kill themselves. Uh, You know what I mean? Like it really kind of felt that way for a moment and it was really sweet. And her records are so beautiful because they're so sad, but they're so funny too. Uh, They kind of laugh at the, all that fucked up stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, and and uh, she
0: she's incredibly honest with her perspective, and she she's not she's not at all afraid to be who she is.
1: Yeah. So yeah, like Jesus from Texas, um, makes me cry a little bit when I listen to it. Bethlehem, always makes her cry. Uh, youth group is so funny, and it's about youth group lock-ins and like how do you build a culture around repression and then tell all the teenagers to <laughs> lock them in a gym together overnight and so that song's about discovering your sexuality uh, that's you valid in. and uh, that was fun live so anyway yeah uh, the Preacher's Kid similar great
0: record check it out gave me a lot of solace last year nice I wrote a lot of songs after I listened to it I could see that I could, I could and see uh, you they're channeling a lot of that creative energy
1: yeah and there's a record at the end of here Backslider by David Ramirez it's, it's similar vein I, I wrote a uh, yeah I wrote an album after listening to those two um, based on them
0: nice all right, well the next album on our list is my favorite album of 2021, which was In These Silent Days by Brandy mm. Carlisle. Yeah, dude. This is Brandy Carl this is the second time in a row that Brandy Carlisle put out an album that I named my favorite album of that year. Um, and it's the it's it's
1: the f- it's probably the fifth time that she's put a record out. Every single one of her records has been on our list since Firewatcher's Daughter.
0: Yeah. Well, and uh, by the way, I forgive you and In These Silent Days, I to me it's, it's just like Brandy Brandy Carlyle continues to say like not unlike Jason Isbell, quite frankly, continues yeah. to, to proclaim herself better than she used to be, you know?
1: Yeah, well, I, I mean, I don't know that I can say better. Th- I, I mean, In Silent Days has way better moments. I, t- I think that, um, by the way, I forgive you, is like never going to leave my top ten. <laughs> uh, th- th- you're not wrong.
0: <laughs> by, by the way, I forgive you is is one of the great records. So, yeah, In These Silent Days, is, I wouldn't say is better than uh, – but yeah. I, I guess what I'm saying is, like, she continues to evolve and mature as an artist.
1: Well, and on by the way, I forgive you. She looked me in the eyes and said, "I know I've been there. I see you." Yeah. And on this record, she didn't look me. You know what I'm saying? Like, she wrote a great record that's probably better for almost everyone else. But in by the way, I forgive you. She, you know, looked. There were like there's a song that has a line that whenever like I can only hear it as like about me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and that like that
0: song is, I played on the piano regularly until I cry. I Yeah. I get that, and and she's I mean, she she's one of the one of the great artists of our of our generation, and so I'm, i I think we're we're really lucky to have her and, we're, we're and Jason Isbell doing work at the same time. I'm I'm grateful for the both of them. Yeah, my dad just
1: is going through a heavy Brandy Carlile period right now. Nice, And uh, I'm for it.
0: I I still have never seen her live. And I want I, to so bad. I do too, because I, I I just can't I can't imagine like.
1: What do you? How do you? She walks around with that sound inside of her chest, with the knowledge that she can make that. She can open her mouth and do that. Oh my you know gosh, what I mean? she's like, a
0: human bullhorn. Yeah, she she yeah. can uh, she can belt it out for sure.
1: And she can like break, and she can get quiet, and she can croon. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she she covers so many different ranges, so many octaves, and she covers so many different. Um, Sort of genre. You know, like Pearl Jam covers her. (laughs) Dolly Parton covers her. Elton John. and Elton John. Yeah. And she can do, like, she can reference male and female artists in a way that a lot of people's voices can't, I guess. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, she can do, yeah. She can do voices from so many different areas on, like, the vocal spectrum that just no one person can do what she can do.
0: Yeah, she, she's, she's the best living talent, vocalist. For sure. She has to be the best living vocalist right now. I, I mean, she's in the conversation. I, 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 couldn't, I, I can't think of anybody that I think is better.
1: Can you imagine a Brandi Carlile metal record? Like, can you imagine listening to her do that?
0: I, I have no doubt that she could do that if she wanted Just to.
1: Just soaring. I mean, look, Broken Horses, when those Les Pauls come in, it's like that was, that was the moment where I was like,
0: I got to hear a Brandi metal metal record right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite song?
0: Um, it, it might be Broken Horses. That's a really good song. Um, n- n- no, it's the one that sounds like a Joni Mitchell song. I can't remember the name of it. It's like the second or third track.
1: Let you me- and Me on the Rock with yeah. Lucius? Yeah, it sounds like a Joni yeah. Mitchell song. It's a sweet song. I,
0: I, I think, and I, and I have long said that um, Brandi Carlisle is our generation's Joni Mitchell, and that song is basically her saying, I know. Yeah. You know, so, um and she she did a full like an uh she's done several concerts where she does blue Jenny Mitchell's blue from front to back um yeah. and i am if if i if i could just have one wish granted to me by brandy carlile it would be that she would release that as an album dude so she does a
1: ton of covers live too yeah she does she's like fully a student um like she's she's big now and she has worked really hard and deserves to be bigger you know what I mean? Like she's been doing this for a long time and it's really beautiful to see her get that recognition, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause she's been singing the exact same way in tiny rooms, you know? Yeah, she's paid her dues for sure. Yeah. And her voice didn't get bigger. It's been this big. Yeah. She's they just great. the rooms have gotten bigger. Um yeah. I <laughs> she blessed my mind,
0: dude. Yeah, she I'm I'm a fan. I, I, I love Brandy Carlisle.
1: Yeah. Anytime we're talking about Brandy Carlile, I am with my family. I'll be like, can you imagine? And they'll be like, what it feels like to walk around with that voice. Yeah. I, you, you ask us that all the time. <laughs> oh, so this, like, is, this is the thing know. you said before? I'm obsessed. I just, I don't know what that would be like. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. None of us do. None of us do. Not, not except for Brandy Carlile. That's right. Um, all right. Well, tell me about the third album on our list, which is The Million Masks of God by Manchester Orchestra.
1: Is this a record that uh, Caroline listens to?
0: I have no idea i've never heard of it
1: this might this just seems like something she might be into um i don't know they're really good this is like a, punk, a pop pop punk emo knockoff nasal band that i grew up listening to like in high school you know and now they're writing these like massive records and they they release these performances like in there's their big kind of cathedral studio space just like these videos there's really nicely produced videos of them and the band playing them all the way through it's just a beautiful record. It got me through a lot of. I started running again last year, and it was a really good. Like when I wake up early to go for a run, um, and listening to it, it it's just when the fog's coming off the pavement, you know, and it's it's a little bit slow. But it's not too slow, so you can kind of plod. And it makes you think a lot. Beautiful harmonies. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Speaking of. Uh, waking up early and going running i listened to the yolo record yesterday morning that you you put on the list
0: stand for myself
1: oh my god
0: this is a great album yolo Tell me about yolo's it. first album uh, walk through fire is one of my favorite albums of that year this this album is uh, it, it's a great companion to that one yeah i think it's better you think so yeah I haven't decided which one I think is better. I, I, I like them both, and I, I like them both for different reasons. But yeah, Stand For Myself is a strong, strong album, and I really like it. I'm, I'm, I'm fully a fan of Yola. Yeah. It feels like
1: she's been doing this for a lot
0: longer than she has. It does. It feels like she should have more than two albums under her belt.
1: Yeah. Um, and she's she's another, like... I don't know, listen I texted you about this a great divide like she's a student of the of of music too you can just tell like great divide starts off as like a really nice send up to like do up R&B and it that is not where it ends yeah um I don't. It's so cool. She, it's such a cool record that dabbles in disco a surprising amount. Well, not surprising. The record, the
0: cover. The cover is makes, a, a direct yeah. homage to, to disco for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's and, and she she does sort of have the ability to kind of move in and out of whatever genre she is interested in. You know, she she does. She's not bound by any one kind of conventionality of it of of sound. Yeah. So yeah, I, I really like this album. Stand for myself. It's very very good. So she's, she's got a massive voice too. Yes, she does. She's
1: got the kind of voice where, uh, I I forget, uh, I've got a friend who has a really big voice like this and she was always asking like, how do, what kind of setup do I need to record the song? Like, what should we do? And I'd always say like, get a mic, put it in the middle of the room (laughs) and just sing, man. Mm. Like step 10 feet away from that bad boy and do whatever you got to do. And that's what, it sounds like she's just in a room with a microphone, just somewhere in that room too you know yeah
0: yeah it does
1: she's incredible
0: well have you seen her Tiny Desk concert uh yeah she I mean she's just to prove your point that's exactly what she does and she she owns it
1: yeah I love it it's like here let me look away from this microphone for a minute and just fill the room up with sound yes yeah she somehow gets that on
0: the record yeah she does yeah she's great well tell me about Without People by Donovan Wood alright so this is actually the deluxe edition and this is sort of cheating okay but we've
1: talked about Without People before. Oh, have we really? <laughs> and the Deluxe Edition, yeah, it came out in 2020. I think it was on my list. The Deluxe Edition oh. uh, adds outtakes and reimaginings that, um, I don't know, man. The first one came out when I was pretty upbeat in 2020, like towards the beginning. Uh-huh. Yeah, Right, right. In, in, in January 2020
0: one, when everything was going well?
1: Yeah, and it's a sad, sad record, but I was, like, listening to it, you know, how I do. Like, this is so sad. It's so much fun. Uh, And this one is, like, the saddest song that was sort of a pop song. He records it, like, by himself on the piano. And then the other saddest song he brings in a children's choir for. Mm. And they do, like, these weird dropout harmonies (laughs) that, like, (laughs) it's just... (laughs) Uh, I don't know. This record got me, uh, got some stuff out of me that I needed, you know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like whenever you take a... This is like Emotional Mucinex. <laughs> <laughs> this is an Emotional expect- Emotional
0: Emotional That That should be the name of the next album.
1: Yeah, oh my gosh. It is so good, dude. It is so sad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so The War on Drugs.
0: Yeah, the next album is I Don't Live Here Anymore by The War on Drugs. I like The War on Drugs. I've always liked The War on Drugs. This is my favorite War on Drugs album
1: really okay i was about to ask you like where does this stand i like it a lot for you I, so this is the second record you've picked that features lucius on a song
0: well and i i really like the new lucius album too so yeah i know yeah um so yeah i guess we're developing a theme in the, the theme might be like dave cobb adjacent because i think dave cobb has had <laughs> his fingers on all this stuff great job Dave Cobb. great, great job dave oh cobb. dude
1: one of my best friends is uh, in the process of selling a guitar to dave cobb right now is that right like uh, sell the guitar to buy some property to open a guitar shop in kind of guitar money. Whoa, he's about to sell him like a real sweet guitar. That's awesome. <laughs> if it goes through, <laughs> uh, yeah. So tell me about. I don't. I don't live here anymore. What, what makes you? What do you like about it?
0: Uh, I, I, I think um, I I like the guitar work on these songs. I, I like I like the songs better. Like and to me, the the last two War on Drugs albums were were very good, but it was really more about sort of the ambient sound of the whole thing. Like it was all like one connective sound. And here, the songs kind of differentiate themselves a little bit better. I think, um, and maybe that's just my ear. Maybe I'm just getting used to their sound. Um, but, uh, I, I really, I, I I just, kind of dug this album and I I spent a lot of time driving back and forth from here to Oklahoma and I found myself really just kind of digging this album the whole, the whole time uh, in December of last year. So, um, so I, I felt like I needed to include it. Nice dude. Yeah. Have you listened to it?
1: Yeah. I've listened to it a ton. It's a good running in the woods after a rainy day record. I can,
0: I can see that for sure
1: uh that's i've done it a few times but uh actually a few times on different i used to run on the natchez trace back when i lived in mississippi Ah. a week ago a week ago and uh the natchez trace goes all the way up and down the state and so on a few different occasions i ran in a few different cities like far apart on the trace to this record it was kind of just my trace record nice well yeah i don't think it beats a deeper understanding or lost in the dream
0: oh okay I, I mean, but and, I, and, and you I, know
1: me; I love some ambience.
0: I know, and, and those those albums are very ambient. Yeah. Um, well, tell me about "Drama" by Rodrigo Amarante. All
1: right, so I've talked about Rodrigo Amarante before. Okay. He uh, so he wrote um, the Narcos theme song.
0: Oh, okay, Tuyo, yes. Which
1: is like one of the sexiest songs of all time.
0: <laughs> Indeed.
1: And he he's uh, so he had this record called Cavallo in 2014 that I got into a few years ago. It was. So, 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 so good. And I'm trying to remember the band. Uh, Los Hermanos, I believe, is his band. Uh, they're like a Brazilian uh, sort of indie band. Really good, really good. Okay. And that's, they're pretty famous, Los Hermanos. Um, so, anyway, he, he hadn't put out anything solo in a long, long time. He put out drama. And it is such a sweet, beautiful, like, sort of sensitive record. Um, and there's this great interview he does with Bob Boylan. They're, like, buddies. They really love each other, mm. you can tell. And, like, at the end, he's like, I love you, Bob. And Bob's like, I love you, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's just so good, you know. I think it's a little bit in Spanish, mostly in Portuguese. Cavallo uh, has some French on it, too. I don't remember if Drama does. And it's just, like, you know, it's just in English. It's just it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. He's such, he is such, like, a distinct sort of, like, Willie Nelson meets bossa nova chords. You know how Willie Nelson just like plays all over the beat, but not on the beat. Uh huh. Uh, He does that on like an old rickety nylon string guitar, with like a really cool vintage pickup in it. So oh, cool. It's it's definitely like a sort of a a ambient experience, if you not ambient, but a um, auditory experience, if you will. Very cool. Get some speakers with some range on them. or some cans.
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. Give me Pressure Machine, man. All right. What you got? So the the next album on our list is Pressure Machine by the Killers. And ten years ago, if you had told me that we'd be doing a podcast <laughs> and I'd be naming my top five albums of the year, and a Killers album would be on there, I would have called you a liar. I would have, I would, I would have accused you of not knowing me at all. Um, I am not a, just as a rule, I'm not really a fan of the killers. I don't, I've, I've not enjoyed them as a, as a band in many ways. Um, since their beginning, since Mr. Brightside. Um, but I got to tell you, man, pressure machine is a good record and it is, uh, on, on a Bruce Springsteen podcast. Uh, the, the thing I can compare it to the most is Nebraska. It, it is, it is their Nebraska. And, um, it's, yeah,
1: I was thinking that I was like the killers, huh? And I hadn't listened to it. And then I put it on and I was like, Oh. The Hold Steady. I know why, I see why Rob put this on here. Yeah, they they've
0: been they they've been leaning hard into their Bruce Springsteen influence for a couple of albums now. And this one they they were basically like, What if we got to make our own Nebraska? Yeah. And uh, yeah, the Hold Steady is a, another good comparison probably. Um so
1: they sort of even lay that out in the record itself.
0: Yeah, they're not yeah, they're not shy about their influences at all.
1: Like, every other track is some, like, person in a small town telling, like, their story, and then it's a song about it.
0: Yeah. Well, and apparently they made the whole album, and then they went and did those interviews and, and, and cut the interviews together and put them, like, spliced them into the album after after the effect. Right. um but it's a it's it's a solid solid album it's it's worth listening to i i kind of get tired of the interviews just because i just i'm, I'm into the music and then it kind of pulls right. me out of it but sure. at the same time i i appreciate what they're trying to do and i appreciate that they're not just sort of making the same albums that they were making in the early 2000s you know and that they're not just writing these like poppy singles that they're 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 doing they're, they're trying something and even if the, what they're trying to do is be more like their influences I, I happen to like the influences that they're cribbing off of. Yeah. So, you know, what What am yeah. I going to complain about? So um, so anyway, that did that's you why. Listen I, to... What? Oh, go ahead. No, I was, I was going to say that's why I included Pressure Machine on the list. Uh, did you ever listen
1: to Conor Oberst's punk band, of Parasitos? No. They had a couple records that, about, like, the Midwest that were um, – they had little interviews spliced in there that were kind of like that, and it was nice.
0: Oh, interesting. No, I never yeah. listened to it.
1: I think Conor Oberst is going through something, though. There's been some uh, concert footage <laughs> Oh no. Uh, lately. Yeah, I had a buddy who saw him at the rhyme in and he's he's very, very drunk.
0: Oh no. You don't like to hear but, that. Uh,
1: no, I hope he gets uh, hope he gets some help because he's a he's he's a great songwriter. Well And because he's a human being and first and
0: foremost. Right. Honestly. Of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so. Alright, well then the next album that you have on your list is Backslider by David Ramirez. Yeah, David
1: Ramirez is, is, I don't know what he is, man. He writes sort of country music, sort of like singer songwriter, sort of pop music. Uh huh. Um, He's so, 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 so
0: good. Yeah, he's a good songwriter.
1: Uh, uh, Lied to You, or whatever that song is, Harder to Lie. That's one of the best songs I have ever heard. And then, like, after I got married (laughs) and had been married for like five years, I listened to it again and I was like, oh. Um, anyway, backsliders, just him playing hymns is the saddest way possible that he can just like seven tracks Mm. and it came out in 2021 and you know, about midway through kind of around the same time as that preacher's kid album did. Okay. Yeah. And it just had me like, I don't know. They both had me re really rethinking a lot and writing new rules, you know? Yeah. Uh, and honestly, like a whole album called Sad Hymns and Personal Shortcomings that is fully inspired by those two records. Mm. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, it's such a good, such a good record. Like, if you want to listen to hymns, but not like, not not in like a necessarily a joyful way, which is a <laughs> weird thing to say. But, no, like, yeah. In a struggle, like in a struggle way. Like, if you want to lament some, um, if you want to like do a little Jacob wrestling go for it David Ramirez backslider it's your guy which is a great title for a southern hymn record yeah totally because that's what they call people like me <laughs> church that calls backsliders
0: well me too
1: backsliders and back row baptists
0: <laughs> yeah that's a good pick Mark. man yeah dude it's super good if, if you haven't listened to it check it out definitely well, the next the the final album on our list is the moon and stars by Valerie June and I wish I could remember I it's been a little while since I've listened to this record I just, I, I was reviewing my list and the, this was number five on my list uh, from last year and I remember it it's got some it's got, it's got some good songs it's got it's it's intercut with some like shorter tracks and it's it's a little bit of a concept, concept album in in how it's structured yeah. um, Valerie June is um, it, she she's uh, I I just think she's a she's a good artist. She's a good songwriter. Um, I I enjoy her sound, and I, I, w- I wish I could say more. I, if I was a better music critic, I'd, I I could say more articulate things about why I like this album. I just do. She's uh she's
1: like I would use the word stunning to describe her. Like in sort of every aspect, like in the way her voice sounds, uh, the way she uses it, the way she. Writes her songs, the way she sort of looks in front of a microphone, the way she plays her guitar. You know what I mean? It's yeah. It's sort of like, it's, yeah, you, you, you kind of like
0: take a breath. Uh, she's she's powerful. Yeah, I enjoy yeah. her sound a lot. Yeah. For sure.
1: Yeah, her first couple records were really good, and i just just keeping up with them. I'll have to go back.
0: Yeah, Moon and the Stars is, is worth your time, for sure. All right um all right so that is the end of our current list did did, did you want to toss out your your book choices just real quick
1: yeah so i read uh a couple books that made me uh that i didn't read a ton of books last year but there's this book called the anthropocene reviewed by john green i was never a john green guy like i haven't read the the sort of fault in our stars those books but this is a series of essays just about things from the anthropocene age which is the age in which humans influence the world around them right And so it's essays. It'll be an essay about, um, well, the first essay is about ranking, right? Five-star rankings. And then he gives it a five-star rating. (laughs) And then it's another essay. And then it's like an essay about Piggly Wiggly and the history of the owner of Piggly Wiggly. Super interesting essay. And then he gives that a five-star rating, you know. And then he does like an essay about the sun sets. And he does this whole thing, and he's like, "I'm not gonna sit here and try and do this like f- whole like four and a half stars thing anymore. Like sunsets are incredible, five stars, <laughs> <laughs> and like Diet Dr Pepper." Anyway, it's really it's a really sweet. He's a very um, thoughtful person, and he thinks about things interestingly. Um, but then the one I keep talking about is the Ministry for the Future by Ken Stanley Robinson. It imagines a uh, climate future. The way it was described to me is that like it's really dark, but it's also given me a lot of hope, the person who recommended it, just because of the actions that people begin to take. Um, and that is exactly how I feel about it. Um, it somehow made a lot of my climate anxiety more real to me, but also gave me more hope about the future of what we can do. Mm. Not necessarily good. It's not like all white hat. <laughs> But I was even, and this is a terrible thing, and I've been trying to figure out the right combination of words. There's a moment in the book where you experience an amount of relief when some targeted eco-terrorism takes place. Okay. And then there's a moment, there might be a moment after you read the book, later in the year or month, when something happens, and you got to think, like, well, maybe there will be eco-terrorists one day. It's not a good thought, but like people take care. The, there are enough people in positions of power and outside of positions of power doing things the right way and doing things the wrong way uh, in this book that at some point they don't save the world, but they at least save humanity a little bit. <laughs> and it's really beautiful. But the premise is that it starts off that they um, create a, minist- a UN ministry that can sue on behalf of and create policy on behalf of future generations interesting yeah um yeah and then it became really interesting in contrast with supreme court rulings and local laws passed throughout the last couple years it was like well maybe we are going to have to legislate climate change Mm. through these through these new terrible loopholes i don't know it was a book that made me think the most. And while being very sort of concerning, gave me a lot of comfort.
0: Wow. Cool.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's a really effed up recommendation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. Uh, Yeah. All right, man. Well, I think that's, that's all the time we have for our 2021 all media overload episode. Yeah. Stay tuned to the feed. Yeah. Stay, stay with us and uh, we'll, we'll join you again soon. And, uh, we'll talk some Jason Isbell. We'll talk some Bruce Springsteen. Um, we'll... Um, talk about all kinds of stuff. Uh, yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll continue to... We'll, we'll, we'll do another All Media Overload in about six months, probably. We'll, we'll try and keep up with uh, the world around us and, and do one at the end of 2022.
1: Yeah. And uh, holler at us on whatever platform and let us know, like, what we should do. Let us better. know. Is or there or anybody really alive? there yeah. <laughs> can anybody hear me out there yeah let us know what you want to hear yeah and uh let us know if last time we did something terrible we'll fix it <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll do our best we'll get our basic facts we'll we'll be back to getting 60 percent of our basic facts correct
1: that's correct
0: um and uh, yeah, thanks so much for sticking with us. And if, if you're listening to this right now, that means you found us in your feed and you listened to this. On, I mean, at this point, you've definitely been listening on purpose. So thanks so much for doing that. Should we what's the word we should <laughs> shit ass? <laughs> nice callback. You should tweet shit ass at us. Uh, no, don't do that. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Christmas in July?
1: Christmas in July. Holler at us and say Christmas in July if you got all the way to the end. Definitely, that would
0: be great. Yeah,
1: that's the code word.
0: That's the code word. That's how. That's how we know you're you're one of us. <laughs> Some somebody's gonna somebody's gonna tweet shit ass at us. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. It's definitely gonna happen now. Yeah. I oh hope so. man. Okay. So anyway, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you, JB, for for getting back together, getting the band back together.
1: Yeah, dude, I'm always in to get the band back together. Well,
0: good. Let's, let's keep it up then. So, yes, uh, be, be patient with us as, as we try and settle our uh, um, respective moves. Um, I, I have no idea when I'm going to be in the new house with Internet, so who knows how long it's going to be until I can actually do this again. Um, so we'll, we will, we'll get back to it as soon as we possibly can. My guess is either late August or early September will be um, when we'll be able to get back to you on the regular but until then i'm rob and that's jb and we just got done doing christmas in july
1: just a couple cool rocking daddies talking about
0: the pop culture throwdown that's right that's right so uh from our hometown to yours we'll see you later <laughs>